right, guys. Welcome back to the 24th episode of the 443 Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm joined with Depressed Reese to go over a couple of games with you before we get into the week. Reese, how you doing? Check on your loved ones. Check on your friends. (laughs) Check on Chelsea fans. Depression, man. Depression. Uh, Great performance from Van Van Dickhead uh, in in the (laughs) Liverpoolians. Let's go ahead and jump into the Monday slate all the way back on Monday. Not even want to talk about that damn game. Everton at home, drawing Crystal Palace 1-1. One one. One. There was a red card in this one, right? There was no red card oh. in this one, but I thought there should have been. Gotcha. Just a little bit. But anyways, into the game itself, what were your thoughts? I watched this game, but I didn't write any notes down on it. I just remember feeling bored and hoping that Crystal Palace would do something. Yeah. And that was the... Uh, that was the game before Glasner officially took over and what we'll go over here in their weekend performance as well. But that was a decent performance from a Palace side who had an interim manager. Um, our thoughts with are with Hodgson because uh, last Sunday when we came out with this, we thought it was more of a sacking. It actually came out that he had health issues at the time. Oh. So, um, I didn't yeah. hear that part. I think it was a sack, personally. But yeah, I don't... but they wanted to not make Roy look bad. Yeah, but at the same time, I guess he is having some health issues, which we hear he yeah, is doing better. Roy was in retirement. You brought the man out of retirement to come do this. <laughs> Gave him a contract, and he's like, what, 15 weeks away from being yeah, done? Literally. Like, he's Danny Glover right now. He's like, 15 weeks to retirement, mate. <laughs> uh, with Jordan Ayu, he had a very nice goal for Palace uh, to take the lead in the second half, but then Amadu Onana ended up tying it in the dying minutes of the game. Uh, to get Everton out of uh, table relegation, possibly, temporarily. We will have to see the table. Uh, but before we jump into the next game, Actually, Matt, it's not temporarily because we know what happened to the team they're competing with. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, before we jump into the next game, Matt, what are your final thoughts on that one? For basically two teams, one team going through major changes, the other team trying to fight out of the relegation zone and stay up, I think... Based off what I remember Everton playing, getting this draw was the best result for them because it never looked like they were going to win it. Yeah. It, it, they, they barely were scraping around. Now, the XG had them showing like 2.45 on XG, which is crazy. I don't remember that much. Neither did this I. This for Everton? Now, maybe this was just back on Monday. Mm. You know, we had some work. And, yeah. <laughs> All these games, when, there was a game like every day this week when I was working, yeah, I think. It felt like it. Uh, let's get into the next game here. We have City. At home, squeaking by Brentford in a 1-0 win in the second half. With Week 18 replay, the game in hand that yes. everyone was talking about. Exactly. Now, City could have won this game 6-0, but Brentford was able to scrape by and hold on, but they still ended up uh, at the hands of yeah. Holland. What were your thoughts on the they game? They had 2.5 XG to 0.51 for Brentford. Yeah. That's about what I remember. I remember this just this was a, a dominant game with no dominant scoreline. Right, and it seems like Foden is starting to be on the form of his career right now for uh, City. As we'll get into what he did uh, for City uh, this weekend as well. Um, but it just seems like he should remain in the starting lineup, even with all the star power they have back in. Someone between uh, he Bernardo. He needs to play. Yeah, he, he needs to, to play regular. I think he's at the stage where you can have a guy like Bernardo Silva as your like guy who comes in late. That's probably the best spot for him. Foden needs to play. For sure. And as for Brentford, um, there really was not much there for them. In this regard, though, City have been leaky out of the back in terms of giving up goals. So it seems like they have taken a little bit more of a different approach with their defensive schemes. 
Um, but Brentford could not could not find a way to to get past those new Pep uh, tactics that we're seeing. So um, credit to City uh, into the Wednesday slate here. We have Liverpool at home defeating uh, Luton Town four to one. Matt, in the first half it looked promising, man. Yeah. But this has been Liverpool all season where. In the first half, they don't look like the best team, and then in the second half, they look like the best team in the league. I remember what you said, because you were able to watch this game, and I wasn't able yeah. to watch it as much. I was able to get in and out of it. Sure. And I remember you told me the game was on, and I went and I watched it. It was Luton 1, Liverpool 0. Yeah. And then you, because I think you told me at halftime, I was like, oh, great, Luton's doing good. And you're like, it's not going to last long. Liverpool turned it on the last 10 minutes, and it looks like they have them by the throat. Yeah. And then I watched it, and we see the 4-1 of Liverpool come in here play. Van Dyke, 56 minutes. Cody Gakpo, 58 minutes. Diaz, 71 minutes. And Harvey Elliott, 80 minutes. It was just Liverpool just stop, stop. They're already dead in the span of an entire period. Yeah, and that was Elliott in the 90th minute, just so you know. Oh, I can't read. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. It's 90. It looked like 80 without looking at it with both eyes. It's all good, man. Um, but yeah, they, they, this has been Liverpool all season where we kind of question their performance in the first half and they look shaky. And then I don't know what Klopp tells them, what they inhale, what they're smoking in the, in the locker rooms at this halftime, but they always come out firing and you know, I don't want to, it's my last season. Win it for me. <laughs> I don't want to toot you up here. Pause, uh, Matt, but in terms of, uh, what makes Arsenal so good is you guys were able to shut down. Liverpool in the second half when you guys played recently. So, um, and we'll get into you guys here momentarily, but I just thought that was something interesting that the only team that's been able to stop Liverpool in the second half, it seems like, has been you guys. Well, did City stop them earlier in the season? Honestly, I don't even remember the game. Okay. Um, all I'm feeling right now is pure depression, ecstasy. Okay. I'll look into that later. I don't do drugs, guys, but I might do an unholy amount of drugs when I get home. I don't know how. Maybe from my cat, like have her lick the top of my head or something. I don't know. Pause. Uh, <laughs> let's get. Don't don't question anything. Let's get into the Saturday slate here. We have we have Aston Villa defeating Nottingham Forest four to two. Matt, what were your thoughts on the game? Real quick to piggyback on your question. Um, yeah, there's only really been one team, and they aren't in Champions League anymore to stop Liverpool. Um, I'll look at the break and look into the Manchester City of it all. Yeah. But uh, I think that was a draw. Oh. I think it was a 1-1. Would not surprise me. <laughs> yeah. But if you look at it, Arsenal has been able to get four points out of six from Poole. Uh, they still haven't been able to do that mythical win away at Anfield, but four per six is probably the best of any team's going to do against them this season. If you're getting points away at Anfield, that's always something yeah. you can take. But uh, where were we heading next, Crystal Palace Burnley? Uh, Liver- uh, Aston Villa at home defeating Forest 4-2. Oh, you watched this game for the yes. and before you left to go watch another game because it was just a beating. Yeah, or at least what I thought was a beating. Um, I turned it off like literally at the 30th minute after Douglas Louise scores from a nice assist from Ollie Watkins. Or not Ollie Watkins, maybe Ollie Watkins. But um, it was basically a tap-in for Douglas Louise. And I'm like, man, this game looks like it's going to be done. But I doubted Nuno... Uh, he ended up making it interesting. Luis scored again, but then um, 
Niakate? Niakate? Yeah. I'm not too and sure. And Gibbs White yes. both uh, score right at the to end the half and start the next start half. Start the next half. And now I'm thinking, like, dude, are they really going to get back into this game? But uh, Villa were able to seal it off with the fourth goal. Well, you know, I'm Bailey, baby. We keep talking about Villa, man. In, in regards to these cracks that we're showing, are, are you pretty confident with Villa still going forward in, in terms of getting top four or top five? I like Dunai Emery, but I still have PTSD from what he did to Arsenal at the end. He, I think when he doesn't have a plan B, when his plan A starts to go off the rails, yep. at least that's what I got from him. And he wasn't with Villarreal long enough to see them go off the rails after he came back to Villa because they were in a far different league with far different circumstances, and he was very successful with that team. Yep. I think he's a good manager, but I think he needs to add that thing to the toolbox where yep. we see that managers have some weak points. Yeah, uh, you know, the what makes Pep, Klopp, Arteta so great uh, to Zerbi as well is they have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Um, sometimes they'll stick to their, you know, main plan A, you know, if, if they go down or up 1-0 or down 1-0. But at the end of the day, they have to make adjustments, and that's what makes those managers the top quality managers well, in the league. With, with Arteta, I've watched him week on, week out. When he does fail, he does come up with plans, even yeah. if it's not successful. Yeah. We saw what happened with Moyes. Moyes beat him in a game they played well, 2-0, and they come back and stomp him 6-0. The only manager he hasn't seemed to be able to do anything against has been the Fulham manager. Which we'll get into Fulham as well, who had a great performance. But into this game, I watched the recap, and honestly, I was impressed by Villa and not giving up. Nuno knocked on the door, and they... Didn't answer it. They just kept to score another goal and put it away. It, and it wasn't even that late because it was a 61 minutes. And then watching the end of this game, it was just seemed to become a back-and-forth affair when it was a two-goal cushion. Now it was dangerous for them, but Forrest never, Forrest never really seemed to be able to get anything super great out of this. I mean, the, the XG for this game was really interesting. Yeah. It was 3.47 for Villa to 2.43 for Forrest. Forrest looks like they outperformed it, and Villa underperformed it just barely. Completely agree. Uh, I thought Danilo had a good game for, for Forrest again as well. Where are we heading next, sir? Brighton at home, drawing Everton 1-1. to This is the one with the red card. Yeah. For Billy Gilmore for Brighton late into the game. Uh, Branthwaite scored in the 73rd minute in a very close contested game, and then Gilmore gets sent off. And Matt, I'm thinking at this point, this game's done. But Lewis Dunk, the hero for Brighton in the 95th minute, equalizes to barely scrape away with the draw at home. What were your thoughts on the game? Honestly, I watched this one on replay because I thought it would be interesting. It was kind of dull, and I can't believe the XGs were what they were. Because to me, it seemed like Everton was the more dominant team, but maybe they're just controlling it in the midfield. Yeah, it could have been one of those affairs where Brighton maybe had one clear-cut chance, which gave them that one XG. And that 1.4 XG probably was from the first 20 minutes where it was the Danny Welbeck show. I think he had four shots in the box. Um, none of them really looked like they were going to score, but they were clear. He did penetrate. He did get the ball off kind of um, shots, and that's maybe where it came from. But it was kind of a boring game, and they Brighton never looked to win it after the 20th minute. And Everton didn't look to lose it at any point during the game once that Danny Welbeck manic attack stopped. Yeah, Brighton had a lot of shooting opportunities I wouldn't say they were chances Mm -hmm. and I think that's why you're saying it was kind of dull because Brighton did not have clear cut shots and And I don't mean dull like it was it kept me involved but it was just one of those games where we're just like okay where are we going with this yeah and in that regard like I think Brighton had like over 20 shots in general but they only had seven on target so um 
Yeah, and I think four of them were those well-back chances where yeah, maybe the gave them that. I think that he had three or three to five. He just was going off early on. But um, wasn't doing much. So um, Everton's gotten two points now, uh, and you know, just from this week, a good result against Brighton and a decent result against Palace at home. Are you still pretty confident they can squeeze out of the relegation spot, or you think they're going to be in that till the end? I want to look, look I'm, on break. I also try to look at and see where um, what Luton's next fixtures are. Yeah. But remember, Luton have a game in hand. If they beat Bournemouth, they jump ahead of them. For sure. I do know that. Because Luton's played one less game than and Bournemouth played one less game because of the uh, uh, medical incident that happened to one of the... I think the Luton captain. Yeah, correct. Um, but I do think I'm, I, they can do it. It basically just like this, the title race depends on two games. Um, Everton's fate depends on one game, really. Yep. Uh, into the next game here, we have Crystal Palace. Uh, Glasnier's first game as Crystal Palace manager, defeating Burnley 3-0 in a beatdown. Matt, there was a red card in the 35th minute uh, for Brownhill on Burnley. I think I texted you shortly after saying this game is not going to be good. Yeah, and thoughts? it wasn't good. The recap, it just... What did, do you have the possession stats? Because this was brutal from what I saw. So it was only 55% uh, of possession for Palace. But, I mean, you are correct. It was brutal because in, out of the entire game, Burnley only had two shots. Zero on target. So that red card pretty much killed. And they had one against Arsenal last week. They're just not creating anything anymore. Yeah, and especially with the red card, that just pretty much killed any chance for them where they had to make adjustments to maybe scrape a draw. But... Wasn't the case. As for Glasnier, I did do some research. I was correct in both regards that he is Austrian and he came from the Bundesliga. Last time I said he came from the Aust, he maybe came from the Austrian league. He was German, and then he was German. (laughs) You had knew more about him than I did. I was close, man. But um, he was part of that uh, outstanding Frankfurt team that I think won the Europa Conference League um, two years ago. Oh, when they beat the Scottish side, yes, Rangers, I think. Yes, that's correct. but yeah, so he was part of that special Frankfurt team with Colin Muani, who's now at PSG. And we all know that that is the premier trophy in Europe right now, according yeah. to certain fan groups. Of course. Um, man, I wish, uh, you know, if Chelsea would have won today, we would have been in the Conference League certified depression. As for Glasnier, though. Uh, and now the first place team gets it? I Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not going to be, they're going to be in Europe, uh, yeah. the Champions League. But um, Well, then does it go to the next available place? I have no idea. I think hopefully it goes to Chelsea. Yeah, you know? hopefully. <laughs> but as then for, you can get thirty thousand dollars and get the mo- thirty million pounds. And that way you get the money you pay for Nico Jackson back. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, finance guy, Matt. <laughs> He's and, the only player I know that you guys paid less than sixty million for. <laughs> oh God, damn. Uh, and for Glasnier, though, I really like this move for Palace. Um, I think this is a smart move. Uh, he seems like a progressive thinker, which is something they need. It's going to be a project, though. But they've done this project before, and they bail out of it and go back to Hodgson. And, um, you know, they tried it with Vieira, and they tried it with the guy before Vieira. And it's always like, we freak out, and they bring in Roy Hodgson. I also think that they... They need to get off the Roy Hodgson uh, yeah. drug. I think it's the, the, their summer is going to mainly come down to two players, uh, Eze and Olise. And if Olise or Eze go, um, they're going to get decent fees where they can reinvest that money. But if they happen to lose both of them and don't reinvest that money, you're not backing your manager. And that, no, and yeah. as for somebody who kind of keep, who does keep an eye on Crystal Palace, I don't know as much about them as I do Arsenal. Um, they they constantly kind of worry about the they uh, shoot I'm sorry guys I'm into my words here they want to do what Brighton did they want to do what Arsenal did but they yep. get scared when they get into the relegation zone yeah 
I hope that they hold their ground this time because they have a good manager. I think he's better than Patrick Vieira. Yeah. Um, please don't come for me. <laughs> yeah, Arsenal fans. Uh, I agree with you, man. Uh, well, I'm worried about the New York City FC fans that are or New York. Not a, yeah, New York City FC. New York City FC. It's just a six-hour plane ride. They could come get me. <laughs> I, I agree with you, though, man. It, they and that's the problem with most uh, first take media, as I like to call it, reactionary mm-hmm. media. Is the second results don't go their way, they automatically look to the manager. Where if you guys watch football. It's mainly down to the quality of the players, and maybe about 30% is on the manager, unless you have Arteta, Klopper, Pep, one of no, those no, top No, no, two great guys. examples, um, Ariola and Gary O'Neill. Both those teams were underperforming at the beginning of the season. The team, the ownership stuck with the managers, and the managers stuck yep. with the players. Now we have two teams that are mid-table that were rele- relegation fodder when we were, yep. if we were predicting teams to finish below 11 through 20 at the beginning of the season. Yep. There's two strong mid-table sides that you don't mess with unless you're one of the big three. You have exactly. to have a plan. Even if you're one of the big three, you have to have a plan. Exactly. And, and, that, and that's a great point in regards to uh, those two managers in particular because it was very close for Irola, for example, mm-hmm. who was on the very hot seat at the time. And now look, look where he's at. He's, he's not being linked to a Liverpool job. Yeah. So it's just, it, it's crazy. Uh, credit to Palace. Uh, you know, we hope uh, Glasnier will be the manager for them going forward. But to go to those three goals. Yeah. Um, but the penalty was just a penalty, but the AU and Richards goal were really good. Yeah. Um, Richards had like the little tap in from the cross mm-hmm. at the very, at the end there. Yeah. Um, into the next game here, guys, we have Manchester United at home losing to Fulham. Man, uh, Matt, I want to ask for your thoughts, but first, what were your thoughts on Harry Maguire? Coming in clutch, much like his boy McDonald's in the 90th minute, so almost uh, uh, seal a draw at minimum for them. <laughs> it really kind of just... They weren't playing well. They never looked like they were going to win this game. He just goes in there with that big meaty forehead of his and just knocks something in. <laughs> and it was like deflating because I texted my buddy who used to be... He still is a Fulham fan. He doesn't pay attention anymore. Your team's beating Man United 1-0. And he's like, I don't know anything about football, but I'm worried Man United will come back. And two seconds later, Eric Guerrero scores. <laughs> but I was glad that we got the 2-1 result in the end. Um, in the spirit of giving Manchester United players horrible nicknames that make no sense, um, I like, I'm like. i not a Pokemon fan, but I play. I played a game. And they have a Pokemon called Garchomp, and that's going to be my new nickname for Garnacho because he has that big, <laughs> chompy jaw. Pause. Uh, in regards to that, uh, Bruno, I have a Man United friend who is sort of giving up on on uh, Bruno and Marcus Rashford. Now they have they've Bruno had... is a clutch player to me, but he is not a captain. The thing is, is with Bruno, right? And this is what became very evident after they had scored was they had about three or four opportunities where they could have capitalized and take the lead. But what happened was Bruno tries to play hero ball and tries a shot from 40 yards out, mm-hmm. where if you just take a breath, look up and see the available options you know, in front of you who are making runs, Rashford made a few runs that he could have played the through ball to to, to maybe capitalize. Bruno takes a shot, sends it wide, and it's a goal kick for Fulham. And the whole time after United scored, and I'm sure you thought the same way, Fulham could capitalize mm-hmm. on this. They and are, they did. And they did with a Wobi. Because they had a plan. Yeah. And Adama Traore, who when he came on was really good against Lindelof, um, played the pass to a Wobi, who honestly the shot was nice, but like it looked 
too easy in a sense. Like, I don't know if it was poor positioning from Onana or poor positioning from the person defending uh, Awobi, but it's not something I would expect from a United team who usually is pretty good defensively. Um, But in late games... We usually see United take the advantage here, but man, Fulham resilient again. One of the Wolby was wide open. Yeah, and it's like you—it's a game of roulette with this Fulham team. You go red or black. You know, let's say United were the Reds this time. Yeah. It was literally went to the Blacks. Fulham had a had a great uh, performance. It seems. like. Did you see that screamer Garnacho pulled off? I don't even know the minutes of it, yeah. but um, he pulled off one of his shots that like would disrupt a team's game plan, and Leno just palmed it away. Yeah, Leno and had a great game. Yes, I think he had. Uh, six or seven saves um, uh, in the game as well. So he had a very good performance, uh, but death taxes and a Harry Maguire or McDonald's late Gasper. But Fulham, uh, resilient, credit to Fulham. A uh, big result for them, big result for the table as well because United is barely holding on to that sixth place spot. So quick question for you. Yeah. Um, I've seen Jim Ratcliffe, the new yep. minority Partial owner, owner yep. majority or operations owner, um, talking about all this stuff he's going to do. And I never hear any talk about players like they're talking about doing the new stadium. And, it, and I understand it, and then cordoning off sections of the stadium to make it Manchester United revenue drawing stuff for like the fans, like official Manchester United pubs, official stuff. Yep. And I just understand why they're doing that because now they've lost out the top revenue spot to Chelsea and they have a bunch of players on dead wood. I get why they're working on the revenue side first, but... I, I don't know why they're not working. They're just not talking about players. I wonder if they're just doing that stuff as a smokescreen. So I think it's the lot of what they're going to be doing in the summer hinges on the end of the season performance from Ten Hag. Um, if they get into a favorable spot, you know whether if that's Europa League in sixth place or they sneak into the Champions League with fifth or fourth place, um, they probably keep Ten Hag and continue to back him with maybe one or two additional players. Now, if Ten Hag gets sacked and they bring in a new manager... I think you're going to see around three to four players from United depart um, where they can reinvest that money. But What players do you think might United have the ability to sell? Because they can't sell, don't sure. they can sell Harry Maguire. So yeah. really quickly, just to answer the first question, Radcliffe did say it was going to be around a two to three year project for players. So okay. I think we may not see that immediately. See, I missed that quote. All I see is the stuff that Gary Neville is yeah. like, I'm going to talk with the owners <laughs> about doing this. Uh, but to answer your second question, in regards to sellable assets... Uh, you have to look at the players that have been there the longest because you can't sell Anthony right Could now. Could you sell Bruno with his salary? I think you can. Uh, Rashford's on four hundred fifty thousand uh, a week as well, pounds or euros, whatever that is. Um, but Rashford and Bruno are probably your only sellable assets. You'd probably have to take a loss on Bruno, maybe around forty to fifty million. Although he's probably valued higher, the wages that he's on affects that a lot. Do you think they could sell Mason Mount? I don't think they can because, one, they bought him in the summer, and two, he has not played since last year. So uh, it's going to have to be a Lindelof. It's going to have to be one of their more experienced players that's been in this United side. I don't think they could sell Casemiro, but, well, do you think they could sell Lissandro Martinez? I don't think they want to. Okay, they don't want to, but they could. They could. uh, Because Lissandro's been a a good center back, but, again, he hasn't played much this season. What about um, the guy who played for Tottenham who had the heart attack? I'm forgetting his name. Erickson. Yeah. I think Erickson is reaching that point in his career where he just he, goes on freeze. Yeah. Um it's gonna have it's gonna be Bruno or Rashford. One okay. of those two players will probably be the one being sold for a, a decent amount of money, but I don't see them Could you see them doing a Hail Mary and selling Garchomp? 
No, no, definitely not. Okay. Um, it, it's Garnacho is probably their only. Uh, Garnacho and Hojan are the future of this team, and, and I think that's evident. Enough. What about the young man whose last name starts with an M, who's kind of broken out recently in the midfielder? Mainu, Kobe Mainu. Uh, I again, I think they don't want to give him up. It's it's like I said, it's going to be one or two players that have to be sold, and I well, don't I, think I know gonna... Chelsea could use some solutions in the middle of the pitch, and they love young players. Pause. <laughs> yeah, we love our miners. All right. <laughs> Enough on United. Uh, let's jump into the next game here. We have okay. You're Man City again. Squeaky, clench your butt cheeks time. Uh, beating Bournemouth 1-0 at the Cherry, uh, the Cherry Playhouse. What were your thoughts on the game, Matt? Pause. So this one was a s- different to me than the other game that we saw for Manchester City earlier. Um, the XG favors Manchester City, but in this game... I never they they didn't look dominant. No. They yeah. only got 1.67 xG and I remember one of that was their goal Foden got and the other one was a really good chance that Holland had. Yeah, Holland is still uh it seems like Rehabbing. still yeah, coming back from injury. Now, uh, again as we alluded to with Foland with the deflection from the goalkeeper that fell right into uh Foden's path for a goal. Foden just has been getting into the right areas and and as we just mentioned, he has to be in the starting squad, but City had no De Bruyne, um, and they lacked a little bit of creativity uh, at times. I thought Bernardo Silva probably had his worst game of the season. Was Rodri playing? He was. Uh, He's like the Undertaker with that streak that he had in WWE a while. Like I think that the one thing that they're really playing for is to keep that streak of his alive. Every game he played it, and he hasn't lost in like years. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the game, I thought Bernardo Silva had his worst game of his season so far, but it was still a decent performance, which is funny to me. Um, but yeah, they, they lack something. Uh, they even played Mateus Nunez at left wing, um, where I was a little bit surprised. Did Oscar Bob start in this one too? No. Oh, that was the last game. Okay. No, no Oscar Bob, but like, I'm I'm just confused. You, 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 you make Mateus Nunez almost like a left wing, left mid hybrid where you have a guy named Jeremy Doku, who is probably one of the most creative wingers in the league right now. On the bench. On the bench. And they brought him on late. Who, who He didn't really make an impact. But I'm questioning what Pep has been doing because it seems like this team, they're almost playing as if they know they're not in the best of their form right now. And I think if there was a big team like Arsenal or Liverpool that were to play them soon, it's going to be really... I think this, these are one of those moments that you could snatch points from City. But it depends. Yeah. It depends on how long are they going to be in this form for because they will hit that form or they kill everybody. One of the guys on NBC Sports coverage yesterday, I was trying to get – I got to my – I watched this game with my father, the next game with my with my dad because he likes the goons too. Yeah. And they were talking about how Manchester City keeps winning, but they, they should look worried because like Liverpool and Arsenal are just scoring at will. Mm-hmm. I mean they have matching score lines from this weekend. Arsenal are plus 20 goal differential. Like, City is normally the guys who secretly are like a goal behind Liverpool. Now they have two teams that are outscoring them in goal differential going into the the final 15 games where City isn't their pep god mode. Now, to be fair, uh, Arsenal caught up on goal differential from just like the yeah. last three games, basically. No, and I get that. No. Um, and, for, well, for Liverpool, they've had an well, easy... Well, it's last... It's since this year. Pretty much the start. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and then in regards to Liverpool, they've had a pretty easy stretch so far. Mm-hmm. They've had Burnley and Luton within the last two mm-hmm. weeks. Um, and then City's just had some weird competition with Brentford, like the true mid-table teams, Brentford and Bournemouth. So I think it's just more so the run of games. Uh, maybe if we see them against a Burnley or a Luton side, 
you know, we may see a little bit more of a bigger scoreline. It yeah, just depends. And Liverpool had a bunch of three ones that seemed to go in a streak after they just manhandled Aston Villa early on. So they've been the goal leaders all season. Yeah. City have been behind them, and then Arsenal, the attack has finally moved into something. Well, let's get to them. We'll get to them in a yeah. second here. But what's your final thoughts on this uh, City game? Um, depressed for my man Irola, uh, for Solanke. I know, I know they wanted this result, uh, but it, it, it was a deserved result for City, but it was just barely a deserved result. It could have gone literally either way. Mm-hmm. Um, credit to City. Uh, Bournemouth, it's a dust-off game. Uh, you're playing one of the best teams in the world. Uh, into the last game of the Saturday slate. We have Arsenal again manhandling another group of men. Uh, Arsenal <laughs> defeating Arsenal defeating uh, Newcastle United four to one. Matt, talk to me. I got to watch this game with my dad because it was on so late. Normally, I text with my dad like I text with you on these games, but since it was on so late in the day, I bought my dad lunch uh, and went over there. Uh, we watched it with my mom. Uh, had a great time. It was just a good game, and I. The one thing I wanted to touch on was I just feel bad for poor Big Gabby. He didn't get his goal in this because it got counted as an own goal. Yeah, which is harsh. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was it should have been given, but you know, in this circumstance, uh, another great performance for Arsenal. Oh, I forgot uh, to go over the score. We did. Did we do a four to one? Yeah. Okay. They did manage to limit Newcastle to only three shot attempts. So I think in the last three games, you've only allowed like five shots, which is crazy. Uh, my Arsenal friend, my other Arsenal friend, uh, texted me a stat yesterday. Bear with me. Can one I just say, Roy, you're looking that up? Congratulations yeah. to Joe Willick. I like that you didn't do the no selly. Yeah. You had a selly. You didn't like rub it in because well, it was 4-1. Yeah, it was 4-0 at the time. <laughs> yeah. So if he scored. And but I don't like it when some players, like, Can Joe Willick hasn't scored in a long time and he needs to celebrate, man. Can you imagine if he did like the sue in the corner? <laughs> just <laughs> down 4-1. I would love that, actually. I would love it if he did like the stolen like the dart or yeah, the archer yeah. or the hollow where you used to do the meditation that's that's how you get arsenal fans to just immediately hate you i at know that point. Oh. but i just like that he didn't know selly yeah. that you know because i get why rice did it because he was but we wanted to sell joe willick we sure. i want joe willick to do well as long as it's not going to hurt my team yeah um uh so this is a straight from the premier league twitter account x account so this is an official stat the only team in premier league history to score over two or more goals in seven consecutive halves. So that's... So they're just going back to the forest where we scored two times the seven. two goals yeah. at, the, at the end of the game. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's what... I'm so bad at 3.5 games. Yeah, and that's just insane uh, from an Arsenal side who... Is somehow not first in the league. You know, you think with that type of stat, well, they'd we be top of the league. We were clicking early on, yeah. and then we really did have some rough periods there. Where we lost to Villa, we and we had just drone drone to Fulham, and then in, right at the end of last year, they lost to Fulham and lost to West Ham back to back. Yeah, um, but credit to Arsenal. Uh, you guys are probably the most informed team right now, or at least the team that looks like the best team in the league right now, uh, because of the Liverpool injuries. Uh, that's kind of flacked their performances, but they're holding on to that top spot. So just to talk to them, what's coming up next is I don't want to forget that um, March is the month where the, all the two remaining giant games are played in the. Um, in the fixture because Liverpool and Arsenal don't play each other anymore. It's down to city playing away at Anfield and have an Arsenal visit them at the Etihad. Mm-hmm. Um, these two games could be, are incredibly vital. Arsenal also have a chance to go to old Trafford and have Villa come to them, which are 
and Spurs. They have to go away to Spurs. Yep. Um, Villa has to. Uh, not Villa. Sorry. Of all the schedules left, Arsenal has the hardest one. Then Liverpool. Then City. Gotcha. Okay. So it's good that you guys are getting the results now mm-hmm. and then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, credit to Arsenal. Into the next game here. The only the last game. Sorry of the review. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers defeating the Blades of Wilder, uh, Sheffield United 1-0. Matt, what were your thoughts on this game? This is kind of a not a pretty, not a fun game. I watched this this morning. I was listening to it um, when I was walking pa- or Paco, and it was just, I mean, they got their goal, and they just like opened the door and made it very hard for themselves. This is me speaking of Wolves in the second half. Yeah, and I thought Sheffield had some decent opportunities. Mm-hmm. They had a couple uh, chances with McAtee from across and, and, and a couple other... Uh, I couldn't believe they were just barely over half of a percent uh, of XG. Yeah, they definitely deserved a little bit more from the XG yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. Um, now, into the goal itself, I thought it was a great cross from Ait Nori to Sarabia for the header. Uh, definitely questions to be asked for the Sheffield back line because Sarabia is a relatively shorter uh, uh, attacking midfielder. I feel like you have to put a body on him and, and, and win that header. That should be something you should be doing all the time. Did you see uh, around the 37th minute, uh, two Sheffield United players, uh, they basically like were having a disagreement and basically they got up in each other's face and they pushed each other away. Did you, did you see that? I didn't the... see it, but I saw the replay. Yeah. Um, I came back from taking Paco outside um, and I saw the replay of it where the, the commentators were commentating on it. It's just tough, man. You know, when, when you kind of like know what the inevitable is is coming for your team, and it's it's tough seeing those types of scenes from uh, uh, players who you can tell care about their teams. And one of your catchphrases is this is a dust-off game. Yeah. I don't think that Burnley and Sheffield have any more dust-off sure. games left. No. Luton can have a dust-off game. Everton can have a dust-off game. These two teams have These, to get points. If you don't win, you should you should really be pissed. Yeah, and it's 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 tough, and it's tough to see. You know, you could tell the care the players care, which you know, at the end of the day, you you well, can appreciate. But and I know that I've heard rumors that Burnley um, want to re- reinvest their money they get from their their win, the windfall for leaving in players, getting more players alone that they can buy and coming back with Vincent Company. Yeah. Do you think Sheffield does this with Wilder? Do you think they're in as a confident a position as Burnley seemed to be with their ability to come right back up? Because they were the second dominant team last year. Yeah. I don't, there was no question on who was coming up. It was those two teams who won the playoff. I don't think Wilder wants to be in the championship. Um, this kind of happened last time when Sheffield were relegated. I think that's when he left as well. So... I do think he probably goes by his choice. I'm sure if the club were able to keep him, they would. Um, but do you think he like goes to a team that gets promoted and shows maybe. his credentials? At the same time, he is the Blades of Wilder, so he is a Sheffield guy at heart, so I think he does leave the country maybe for a different job. Um, I think he went to Scotland. Uh, oh, man, I was hoping we see him in like Italy or Spain or something. I just love a, a angry... English. Not skinny, not fat British guy. Yeah, and they're um, old too, so they have yeah. a little bit of, you know... A little bit, a little of... bit of touch of the racism. <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't think God. he does, but I was making a joke there. Sorry, guys. Oh um, but God. that covers this week, man. Um, you ready to take a break and come back and do some predictions and some stoppage? Yes, sir. We'll be back with our predictions and our review of the table. All right, guys, we are back. Reese, you wanted to go over the table before we start our predictions for week 27. Hit yes, me up, man. Yes, sir. Uh, Burnley and Sheffield still round out the bottom of the league with 13 points between them. 
Uh, Luton is back into the relegation uh, fight with still the game in hand, but they have 20 points, one point behind Everton, so the two points Everton got this week were huge for them. Um, In regards to the top half of the league, we have Villa in fourth place with 52 points. Uh, Spurs have a game in hand with 47 behind them, so very big game for Spurs next time they play. Uh, Arsenal in third place still with 58 points. Man City with 59 points, and Liverpool rounding out the top of the league with 60 points. So the top three spots within two points of each other, huge uh, 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 title fight on our hands. Matt, let's go ahead and jump into the reviews. All right, so starting on Saturday, March 2nd, we got Wolves visiting Newcastle. I'm predicting a 2-1 to Wolves on this one. I think the, the gravitas is gone from Eddie Howe. Now... Uh, just keep in mind, by the way, guys, uh, West Ham and Brentford do play tomorrow. Uh, we did have oh. our predictions last week for them, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to do them again. But, uh, what, sorry, what was your scoreline for that? 2-1 to one Wolves. 2-1 to one Wolves. Yeah, this is going to be a huge game. Uh, Newcastle need a bounce back uh, from the embarrassing loss they took to Arsenal, and Eddie Howe was very disappointed in his side as well after the game. Um, I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw in a very close contested match between these two teams. Fair enough. I like it. Next up, we have Palace visiting Tottenham Hotspur at the London, at their, their giant stadium there. Yeah. Uh, Glasnier, his first big game uh, as Palace manager. First London derby, right? They're mm-hmm. in London. Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, when you run into the hands of Bostikoglu and those those Australian hands of his, they're... they're... Well, I'm picking the Austrian this one. I'm no. picking 1-0 to, Palace? to the uh, to Palace. Okay. Uh, for me, I'm still going to uh, believe in the Bostikoglu uh, and his very stern, solemn face, 90 minutes, 3-0 to Spurs. So, oh, so you're Palace. going 3-0 to Spurs, mate. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, Palace fans. <laughs> no worries. Uh, next, we have Liverpool visiting Nottingham Forest. Going to Robin Hood's stomping grounds. And this is a game Liverpool should not take lightly. Uh, after we the game we saw with Villa, this is a very resilient, organized, structured new, uh, foresight. I think they should look at the way Arsenal played against them. Of all the games since the start of the year, yep. that was the one that basically kind of broke that, that kind of stat you were saying was uh, the Nottingham Forest game. Nottingham was able to hold Arsenal, a similar playing team, to Liverpool. Uh, to to nil nil into the half. Yeah, and what makes Liverpool so good is you know they have so many ways they can uh, score on you. You know with with Arsenal and City, they are a suffocating possession team. You know where they look for basically they pass through you until they're right in front of goal. <laughs> That's their goal at least. Liverpool they have different uh, 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 weapons uh, in their inventory. But it's going to be close, man. I really do think Forrest come out with a with a good game plan in the first half, but I think we see a second-half Liverpool team again that takes over. So I'm going to go with a 3-1 win to Liverpool, but the performances will be close. I'm matching you on the result, but I'm not matching you on the score. I think it's going to be a 1-0 to Liverpool. Gotcha. Fair enough. All right, next up we have Chelsea. Your Chelsea bouncing back against Brentford. Thomas Freaks, Brentford. And Brentford is the home team, if I'm... Yeah, right? Chelsea, but... It's right down the road from you guys. It's like two miles. <sighs> Chelsea just uh, suffered a heartbreaker uh, of a loss to Liverpool. Um, guys, I'm still feeling depressed, man. Uh, but Chelsea do have a midweek match uh, for the FA Cup, so this will be the third game that they play in a span of seven days. Um, kind of just I don't a, even want to per- give a prediction, Matt, honestly. I'll give, a, I'll give my <laughs> prediction, but I want to say something about your team. Your team is playing a lot of games for a team that is not performing well, and I think 
that's going to serve them well going forward into the future. Very true. Is you're getting used to the the two day a week split yep. by going to you know to a final and were you in the quarterfinals for the FA Cup? Uh, I something around the, the yeah, but yeah. So for not having any Europe, you're also playing a lot of matches, which is something that Arsenal struggle with because we, we prioritize a league and we dropped out of those competitions early yeah. in recent years when we were building our young team. Your Pochettino isn't shying away from it. So, I mean, it's a heartbreaker now, but it may give you those reps you need going in. For sure. If and you do make it to the conference league and then you can win it. Yeah, and if, if you guys watched the Chelsea game, I'm sure there was frustration with Chelsea fans as well in regards to there's probably about four or five goals they should have scored today. Um but of course, usual Chelsea, they can't convert those chances. But there's positives to take away from this game. So I want to give you a compliment sandwich because I'm now I'm going to insult you. I think Brentford's going to win this 2-1. <laughs> to one. A repeat of what happened last time, but just at their home ground. You're such a dickhead for that. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, man. Just go right into the result of Brentford after praising my tea. I know. <laughs> That's why I gave you the compliment. I gave you the big beat of the sandwich before I went into it. You, you could gave have the first piece of bread about the loss that I gave you a compliment that I gave you the. You could have cooked me first and then just served me a little, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's going to be tough. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to go with a nil-nil draw on okay. this one. Don't see one side taking it more than the other. No, you got it. Proper West London derby there. Yeah. All right, now we're going to West Ham visiting Everton up in Merseyside. Oof. Two teams that love to low block. Uh, low block with me, my friends. Uh, who do you I, think out low blocks the other? I'm going to say a nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's going to be like a dance contest where they both just keep going forever and low blocking each other. I honestly think the ball is just going to stay in the midfield. So when the kickoff happens, no one's going to actually kick off. They're both just going to run to their low blocks. So the ball is just going to stay in the direct middle. <laughs> Wait a minute. So that's an interesting question. Like, So if nobody wants to touch the ball, how does the possession stat work? 50-50, man. It's still 50-50 okay. at the end of the day. Um, honestly, I can totally see that they both the both guys are at the ball, that they both run back. <laughs> yeah. But but in all honesty, um, I think until Paqueta comes back, West Ham is going to struggle. Um, I do think uh, Everton will have some chances, and West Ham will have some chances. I think West Ham win this one in a very close contested game, one nil to to the. To I'm the sticking hammers. with my nil nil or one one. It's going to be a drop of some kind for sure. That's fair. All right, next up we have Brighton visiting Fulham. Ooh, I think this is a very interesting game. Uh, Fulham, very resilient performance today, or yesterday, sorry, on Saturday. Um, And Brighton, uh, who very uh, luckily got away with a draw against Everton. So very close contested. I do think Brighton uh, end up with the upper hand. I'm going to go with a 3-2 barn burner to Brighton. I'm going to go with you on that. I'm going to go with 3-2 to Brighton. Gotcha. What's the next game? All right, next up, we have Aston Villa visiting Luton Town to the Cauldron. Two Cauldrons, yeah. um, I think styles make fights uh, in the Premier League, and I think this is a style that uh, is suited for Villa to completely dominate this game, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I think they just have too much firepower and size for Luton, who usually take advantage of other teams with their size and physicality. Mm -hmm. I'm going with Villa. Uh, I think it's going to be 2-0. I got 2-0 to Villa, too. I wrote that down just right before you said it. Okay, so now we're going into the March... Or, sorry, Sunday, March 3rd fixtures. We got Burn, Bournemouth visiting Burnley. Oh, that's a tongue twister right there. Bournemouth and Burnley. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Very uh, interesting game again. Uh, Robin Hood, not the stock lending. 
the Archer, not Cameron Archer from Sheffield United. We are talking about Dominic Solanke, 3-0 and a hat trick. Let's go Bournemouth. Up the cherries. I'm going to go 2-0 <laughs> to Bournemouth myself. I think it's Bournemouth's game to win. Yeah. Chef, or Bor- Burnley are just looking like they're dead. I think Burnley, uh, since the year has started, have looked actually worse than what Sheffield have looked mm-hmm. like. And it's not on company. It's just a very young team that he's Not to mention with. he also was suspended for like two games. Yeah. Um, and then the final game of Sunday is uh, Man U versus Man City, the Manchester Derby. Very big game. I don't know what I said with that Scottish I like Derby. It. I like it. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, Sir Alex friggin' Aberdeen days, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, huge game. Uh, very fun. Uh, like I said, if there's a time to play City right now, it is right now because they have not had the best of performances. Did you have a point to make? No, I, oh, okay. I was just going to agree with you. You basically made my point oh, okay. that this is the best time for Man U to roll up yeah. to to the other side of town. And uh, Ten Hag has a big game manager. He, I don't think he's gotten a result against City since he's uh, started at United. Nope. Um, but so, I mean, you're playing against Holland, De Bruyne, Rodri, Foden. It's going to be tough. Uh, I think it is going to be 2-1 to City. Um I just see a scenario where United score and somehow keep it close. Garchomp? Yeah, Garchomp. <laughs> I'm going to go 2-0 to Man City. Gotcha. I just... Man United, if they can't... They play hero ball too much, and yeah. you can't play hero ball against City. So, Hoijland, Holland, Holland, Hoijland, Hoijland, and Holland, and Holland, and Hoijland. Uh, no, who takes the... So, you're saying... Well, you're saying Einhorn is Finkel, Finkel is Einhorn there, brother? <laughs> so, ho- Holland is the one that takes the upper hand, and the Hoijland, yes. Hoijland... Yeah. Okay. A debate that doesn't really have... It's not a rivalry. It's just because they have two names. Similar names. And, and they're both from Similar regions of the country. And they're both young. Or the continent. Yeah, and they're both blonde. You know, yeah. it's just... Once, maybe Hoijlin, if you can grow the hair out a little bit, we'll, yeah. we, maybe we'll start the conversation. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I know Hoijlin's a young man, but maybe go get some acne treatments. So you can <laughs> oh, look God, like. Dude. Well, no, I'm just trying to just say, like, Holland has that, that pristine-looking skin. Hey, man, sometimes when you go from a an Italian country, that you don't get paid as much when you move to these big-table teams. So he's maybe still adjusting to his... glow-up? Yeah. Give him some well, that's what I'm saying. I want him to get the you know, glow-up. Klopp, Klopp, when he came to Liverpool, yeah. you know, he has some fucked-up teeth. Yeah. Now look at him. Now he's got the I meaning. want him to do the glow-up. I want him to do the Graham Potter. Guys, uh, I did not even watch the ceremony for Liverpool after they won. I immediately left my house when Van Dyck had scored. Um, <laughs> and I just didn't want to see whoever it was lifting that trophy. Just wanted to side note that. <laughs> so, guys, um, we will be having some scheduling. So, we're going to do our podcast next weekend on the Monday so we can cover the game that we're going to do next, which is Arsenal visiting Sheffield United. Yep. So, we can get everything in one week. Yeah. Um, Matt's taking a little 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 trip little trip to somewhere special. We'll we'll have him do a little recap for us on that Monday as well. Uh, for S Arsenal, as for Arsenal, Sheffield United, um, you know I love me some Blades of Wilder, but this Arsenal team has been playing out of their minds in the Premier League, not the Champions League, of course. Yeah. In the Premier League. Not the Champions League, though. Um, sorry, that's, I'm feeling... that's, a, that's a get back at me. Yeah, for, yeah. I, I get it. I deserve that. <laughs> Um, but interesting stat: Porto has never uh, beaten Arsenal at their ground, and Arsenal's never beaten Porto at their ground. I mean, that is actually a pretty cool stat. Anyways, yeah, uh, <laughs> Arsenal Sheffield uh, uh, thirteen to nil Arsenal. <laughs> I'm going four to nil to Arsenal. <laughs> um, but uh, that covers week twenty-seven. All right, you ready to get into some stoppage time? Thirteen shots, thirteen <laughs> goals for Arsenal. Thirteen nil. Obviously, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I got you, man. Uh, what are you? You ready to go into some stoppage time, sir? Yes, I personally do not have one today. I got three for you. Perfect. All right. So, in light, and I made this question not knowing that you guys were even playing today in a cup final. So please don't read anything into this. I wrote this um, on Thursday. Okay. So this was to do to the league. This is not anything to do with just to happen. So. The players that left Chelsea in the last two windows, the January window and the summer window, uh, what do you think would make the big one or two would you think would make the biggest difference to Chelsea right now? So in the Beautiful last window, question. you lost Havertz, Mount, Kovacic, Koulibaly, yep. Pulisic, Mendy, and Loftus-Cheek. Now, I'm just doing the ones that left for fees. I'm not yeah. counting the guys on loan. Yeah. And in the previous window, the January window, you lost uh, Werner, yep. Palmieri, Jorginho, and Gilmore. Yep. Of those players, which one or two do you think would be the best? Because can I I'm give gonna, you three? Yeah, I can give you three, but I'm going to say something. I don't think Jorginho. I I love Daddy Jorginho at Arsenal. But I don't think Daddy Jorginho could play the way that you guys are playing. So I don't think he would be one that'd be in there. You know what's crazy? Zaddy Jorginho. You know what's crazy? Would he be your number one pick? I was going to say Jorginho only because there was a lot of times this season with Chelsea where. They have dominated possession. Well, make the case for me because we use him as the daddy to calm the young kids down. Do you think he would have the same role as you guys? For sure. And one thing that really depressed me when Jorginho left uh, was I never got to see him play alongside Enzo Fernandez. I thought that was the pair, at least for the rest of the season with Graham Potter, that would have taken us at least a little bit uh, further above in the table than 10th place or 8th place, wherever we finished. Um, So we got Jorginho and you made a good case. So what are your other two? Um, I have Kai Havertz um, in regards to the lack of striking with Chelsea. Uh, with Chelsea. Um, although Kai Havertz is not you know, scoring every single game three goals a game, he still is a guy that makes great movement off the ball and can get into great spaces for his left foot to, to take advantage of teams. I mean, I was always supportive of Kai because I get why Arsenal fans don't like the Chelsea people that come over. But mm-hmm. I thought that Kai... And I mean, don't mean this disrespect. I mean, he never seemed like a Chelsea player. He just seemed like a guy who played at Chelsea. <laughs> nice, that's fair. He's not. Um, he wasn't dyed in the wool, like loving it. Like if we, when we got David David Luiz, yeah, for or me, William. For me, the last person, and this is probably my number one most preferred uh, because oh, I, I feel like he got a bad rap uh, at Chelsea. Excuse me, guys. Drum roll. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Christian Pulisic. Um, I think we're going to go with Loftus-Cheek. No, nah, no. Nah. He's having a great season, by the way, mm-hmm. for AC Oh, he is. Um, but the Raheem Sterling has not worked out at left wing. Uh, Mudrik has still not taken the step as a player uh, to fulfill the left wing role of Chelsea. And I still think Pulisic could still make a difference on this team. And this is not just the American in me saying this, because I, honestly, guys, when Pulisic first joined, I was not a Pulisic fan. But if you go back to the COVID season... Uh, outside of Lewandowski, that stretch from January to May or June to the end of the season, there was no better player on the planet than COVID season Pulisic. If you guys want to see highlights of COVID season Pulisic, look it up. It's actually crazy. Um, I couldn't believe you guys just basically benched in the season after that. Exactly. And and it's un- like I said, he's been treated unfairly since that season. And I feel like if he was in this team, we could have definitely converted a little bit more chances uh, in front of goal. Good, good answer. If you were to choose one player that should be at Chelsea, uh, uh, that list, that out of that list, who are you taking? I would go with Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz, fair enough. I just wanted to hear your point. What's the next question for so, me? So it's not really questions. I just wanted to give updates on our um, the Spanish manager table. Yeah. And I also made up another manager table. I've kept secret from you. Cool. So right now, who do you think's number one? 
Hmm. In the Spanish, you're talking about the, the Spanish. Spanish manager. This is Ariola, Unai, Arteta, and Pep. Chipepe <laughs> Guardiola. So I don't think Ariola is taking the top spot yet. No. I'm going to go with Emery still. Yep. Emery. So right now, so Pep and Ariola have each played one more game. So Arteta and um, Unai have a game in hand. Okay. But right now it's Unai in the top spot with seven points. Pep and Arteta are now tied okay. at six. I didn't do gold differential because there's not a lot that in here. That doesn't matter. And then Ariola has one point. He got one draw against Unai early in the season. Yeah, that, that loss yesterday to City did not help his case. Mm-hmm. Uh, we may be seeing you getting relegated to the Spanish League, uh, Ariola of managers. <laughs> so the one thing I wanted to ask you, so in yeah. my next table I did not include the managers who've been sacked. Mm-hmm. But um, if the, it holds next season, I want to add make it the Iberian Peninsula table and conclude. Well, that's Portugal. I got you. Um, <laughs> the, the place that starts with an A in Spain and Spain. So yeah. then we, we include Nuno um, Nuno in there. Yeah, I got you. I'm down with it. So the next one I worked up um, <laughs> with this morning was the UK manager table. This consists of Gary O'Neill at Wolves, Eddie Howe at Newcastle, David Moyes, who's Scottish, um, at West Ham, Sean Deitch yeah. over in Everton, Edwards, I don't even know his first name for Luton, and Wilder from Sheffield. The Blades, wild. Well, who do you think is number one in this table? So, Sheffield has not played every single game with Blades of Wilder this season. So and I, I did left off Roy, and I included... That's fine. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, for Blades of Wilder, I feel like he low-key has a little bit of a boost because he hasn't played the whole season, but I don't think he's beaten any of the teams that we've mentioned of, or at least gotten enough points. I'm going to go with the man himself, uh who we talked about last week as an underappreciated manager in our league, Mr. Gary O'Neill. That's why I asked you the question, because Gary O'Neill's got 14 points in this table. That's ball knowledge right there, my yes. friends. That's ball so, knowledge. Gary O'Neill is 14. Yeah. Moyes and Edwards are tied at 11. Luton and West Ham are tied for number two. Yeah. And then we have Sheffield, period, sneaking in with eighth. Then we have... Sean Deutsch was seven. Jeez. And your boy, Eddie Howe, dead last was six. That's crazy. So Arsenal's record against Liverpool is the same record that Luton has against Newcastle. Newcastle. That win and a draw. You know, I think that goes to show the questions we've been asking about Eddie Howe. Uh, Now, guys, keep in mind, this is specifically head-to-head between these Yeah, the head-to-head between these teams in a condensed UK table. But keep in mind... Uh, O'Neill, Howe, and Moyes are the only ones out in the top ten. Gotcha. The other three teams are in the bottom. So when you look at the Spanish table, it's one, two, and or sorry, two, three, and four, yep. and then numbered like nine or ten. Yeah, this is a up and down. This is the entire table, basically. Yeah. Uh, question for you, Matt. Mm-hmm. Who's your prediction to win the 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 UK manager table? I think Eddie. Or, or sorry. O'Neal, Gary O'Neal is going to win it. I mean, he's got a game lead over everybody. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the guy I would choose as well. But Honestly, I do have a sleeper pick. back up Edwards. That's what Luton. I was going to say. That was my sleeper pick right there. It's the end of the season. Because I, like, I didn't realize almost all the wins they have or these clutch draws are yeah, against these teams. These teams yeah. The cluster of points they got is from this group. I actually really, I don't think Edwards has gotten the appreciation he's deserved. And that one draw the guy against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, We'll have to track these the rest of the yeah. season. I'm interested. I didn't. I wanted to work up another one, but it was basically coming down to like two guys, and then I'd have to like force in a third. 
Um, I'm trying to see right now if any of those English managers play. So you got Moyes and Everton next Saturday. You got Moyes and Dyche, sorry. Um, and then you got Eddie Howe and Gary O'Neill uh, next mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah. I think I think Gary O'Neill, that's what I'm saying. Gary, Gary okay. O'Neill could pick up some points. He can run away with this if he beats uh, Eddie Howe. <laughs> Matt, do you have any further stoppage? No, that was it. Was just kind of wanted to kill, update our Spanish table, and then I was curious. I sat down and I was updating it yesterday, and I was like, I wonder if I could do a UK manager table. I wonder yeah. who the UK managers are. So I kind of wrote them down, and then when I thought you were coming over right after the game, and then you told me you have a final, and I was like, oh yeah, well he'll be about an hour. I can work this up. <laughs> Ended up being two and a half hours. Yeah, into but, depression. Um, but that was just something I thought would be fun. That includes. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Half the teams in the table. That's cool, man. Uh, Matt, another special episode. Another depressed Reese. Uh, we continue to trek along to the end of the Premier League season with a bunch of big games coming up as well. Uh, Manchester Derby next weekend. We're excited for that, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are excited to see you next Monday night again. Monday yep. instead of Sunday. Matt, go ahead and close us out, my friend. Live along, watch the football, lads. And also, if you could do us a favor, if you like the pod, give us a five-star review so we can get some visibility going out to other people. And I'm including our email and our X account in our notes for this episode. I know I haven't been doing the best on that. But if you guys have any questions or anything you want to talk to us about, just shoot us an email or give us an X. Thanks, guys. Follow up.